The following ad is sponsored by Pets Best Insurance Services. Pets come into our lives in many ways. Shelters, breeders, or unexpected encounters. But no matter how you found your pet, they become our perfect match. Unfortunately, finding the right pet insurance plan can be hard. That's where Pets Best comes in. With a little information about you and your pet, Pets Best will recommend a plan that meets your needs and budget. Visit PetsBest.com to learn more today. Your perfect pet deserves the perfect coverage. PetsBest.com. 12 Ghosts is a production of iHeart3D Audio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. Headphones recommended. Listener discretion advised. In the bleak midwinter, frosty winds may moan. Earth stood hard as iron, water like a stone. Snow had fallen. Snow on snow, snow on snow, in the bleak midwinter long ago. This is the afterlife. More or less. Yes, more or less. This is the liminal space between life and the next chapter. This is the great in-between. The lobby of the hotel hereafter. Does everyone get this treatment? No, not everyone chooses to come in from the cold. And those that don't? They stay out there in the dark and the cold. Some try to return to the place that they were before, but I can't imagine they'd enjoy it. Most of them cling to a loved one or a house they haunted in life. Some go back for revenge, but eventually they all end up back in the wood here, lurking or sulking, depending. If I were to have been followed... Aha! Now you're getting somewhere. Could they follow me in here? Perhaps. But they'd get nothing beside a long slumber. This is a place of rest. There is nothing here but a fire and wine and peace. And the bell. Always the bell. A call to action, a beginning... An end. It tolls for thee, traveller. Hello there. You look surprisingly chipper. Come in. Oh, oh, charming. Well, I thank you. You must be Augustine. One in the same. And would you like a nice warming cup of mulled wine, Augustine? I would. Thank you. Coming right up. Hello. Apologies. I was swept away in your rosy demeanor and forgot my manners. Augustine, this is Annabelle. Hello. How was your journey? Surprising. I didn't know what to expect. 
Well, you're in good company. The wine? Mmm, smells amazing. I hope that you enjoy it. Oh, it's excellent. How interesting to see someone so happy to be here. Most visitors seem quite unprepared to be at my table. <laughs> I have grown accustomed to the unusual, the uncanny. I see. I've sought it out since I first became aware that there was something beyond the veil. Do tell. It began at the Dalton House. The beauty of the Dalton House could not be seen from the road. They said it was better viewed from a small beach called Snow Cove and the sea if I ever ventured into the water, though that was unlikely. I peered through the woods as I drove, watching for hints of life. I saw nothing. The twisted trees and rocky cliffs were angry gatekeepers. A few flurries forewarned of a storm. I knew I was close when I saw a glimmer of lights ahead. Dalton House was a desolate gym, like a star, barely tethered to this earth. And it was my home for Christmas. By the time I unloaded my bags, the snow started to swirl. The roads would not be cleared again until the day after Christmas. I'm ashamed to say I felt a little afraid. But fear was a welcome change from my sadness. I was the caretaker at Dalton House for the month of December. The family promised an ample supply of firewood and running water. I was capable with an axe if I needed. Spiders and cobwebs did not frighten me. I love the idea of a warm fire and a quiet Christmas. Holidays were noisy and crowded in my family. That meant exhausting. I'd spent years giving myself to school and work and my family, but I never did anything for me. It felt dangerous putting myself first, but that's what I'd planned to do. Dalton House was a job and a gift. December would be a fresh start. End of the year, new beginnings. I wandered through the house. Sofas and chairs surrounded a grand piano in the parlor. It glistened like a black mirror in the center of the room. Across the hall, I found a dark dining room with a low-hanging chandelier. I touched the counters in the kitchen and straightened cans in the overstock pantry. Eventually, I found the great room with a wall of windows that faced the gray sea. The sound rumbled through the glass. To my surprise, the fireplace roared with life. The orange flames and warmth lured me further into the room. I was supposed to start the fire, and yet there it was, burning hot and bright. Someone had recently been in the house. Of course they sent someone, I told myself. A freshly cut Christmas tree stood near the window. It was green and damp. The scent of pine filled the room. Several boxes of decoration surrounded the tree. I picked up the simple card on top. Merry Christmas, Augustine. The Daltons told me that their great-grandfather had been a sea captain. He'd built this house when he retired from working the sea. 
It was clear from the love put into it that his heart hadn't quite retired. Every generation after spent Christmas in that place, the house had been renovated numerous times over the years. I could tell which walls were built by Captain Dalton's hands. As I fell asleep on the first night, I wondered about him, the captain who loved the sea, the house he built to stay near her. On the first full day, I barely made it halfway down the beach when I heard the bells. A child ran toward me from the distance. He was a young boy who waved cheerfully. He wore heavy boots and a good coat like he was used to the biting December wind on the shore. I waved back. I was delighted to see that I had neighbors after all. Hello, Merry Christmas, he shouted and looked as excited as Christmas morning. He found a treasure of shiny rocks. He emptied his pockets to show me the stones he carried. Smooth, jagged, and every color of the rainbow. The boy asked me to join him. I collected as many as I could find and laid them on a boulder for his inspection. He was about to critique my collection when he turned his head toward the wind. My mom is calling. He got up and ran down the shore, just as happy as before. He turned and waved one last time. I heard the bells again when he shouted, Goodbye! I mirrored his excitement with my own as I waved back. If Christmas had a sound, it was the sound of a child's laughter and the echoing of jingle bells. That night, I kept the fire roaring and started to decorate the Christmas tree. I looked down the beach for signs of another house or lights through the trees. There were none. There was nothing but the darkness. The next afternoon, I met my young friend again as I walked on the beach. We searched for slipper shells. He challenged me to a race and then a skipping contest. I was about to ask him about his family when he paused. I have to go. I'll see you tomorrow. Merry Christmas. He sprinted down the beach and remembered to wave at me from the distance. On the third day, we made a snowman. The sand and snow were nice compliments to each other. The boy found rocks and shells for eyes and nose. I found driftwood. The final masterpiece stood almost as tall as me. He's a sea captain, the boy exclaimed. I want to be a captain when I grow up. I thought of Captain Dalton and looked back at the house. It was a perfect sight from the beach. The house was painted navy blue with white trim. It looked like a Christmas dream. The boys' infectious laughter filled the air. I wish I could stay with you forever, he said. The child turned toward Dalton House. Have you been here before? I asked. Then the wind changed, and he stood up. I noticed a bell tied to a button on his coat. When he ran off, he made a familiar sound. Bells and laughter. He paused and looked at me one more time. Merry Christmas, Augustine. I had never told him my name. The next day, I did not see the boy when I took my walk. I hesitated when I thought of venturing further down the beach to where he usually emerged. It seemed silly to me to miss the company of a child who I did not know. I was thankful for him. 
My eyes were now good at finding the little things. But without his laughter and bells, the beach felt lonely and haunted at the same time. That night, I decorated the Christmas tree with glass ornaments and seashells. Periodically, I gazed out over the sea. Something caught my eye. I saw the shadow on the water. It was an old man rowing. He was strong and moved through the ocean easily. He glanced over his shoulder and saw me at the window. Our eyes locked. I couldn't make out all the details of his face, but he was there. He raised a hand to me in greeting, but before I could return the gesture, I saw him mouth a single word from across the distance. Augustine. My heart raced. I was afraid. I touched the glass between us, and just like that, he was gone behind a wave. I blinked my eyes many times to see if he would return. He didn't. Who was he? How did he know my name? Why was I sad that he was gone? The following night, I sat in a chair by the window and stared outside. Sadness makes your mind bold in reckless ways. At first, he didn't come. Then, as I started to fall asleep, I heard bells. He was out there, on the water. I felt him. It wasn't my imagination. I opened my eyes. There. He rode for many moments before glancing up at the house, his eyes on me. Augustine. And then he was gone. Nothing on the water. Not shadow or boat or spirit. I warmed at his whispered word. He missed me. How could a hundred-year-old man who lived a hundred years ago miss me? I was so tired in my life and hadn't thought about love. Something in his eyes and voice suggested that if I chose to live, love might be waiting for me. Augustine. My Augustine. He was longing for me. I was haunting him. I saw him again on the next night. Once more, he whispered my name and disappeared. The following day, I didn't see anything as I watched the beach and ocean. I'd spent three days with a boy on the beach and three nights with an old man watching me from the water. Just as the boy had come and gone, the old ghost did not show up a fourth time. But walking on the cold sand, I heard something from the sea. Bells splashing and a cry for help. I hugged my coat closer around me in panic. Going into the water meant dying. Help! Is anyone there? In my panic, stepped into the tide, just like that. The water went still, still as a hidden lake. The ocean became a perfect mirror. Above, a single star shone brightly in the black sky. I could see him then, floating, lifeless, naked, like a newborn baby. A single push of the tide brought him to the shore at my feet like a gift. 
I waded into the water to pull him onto the sand. He was coughing and cold. He wore a talisman around his neck and nothing else. With effort, I got him to stand, and he stumbled in confusion. I wrapped my coat around him. What are you doing here? He asked between breaths. Where's my family? I have to get you inside. L- let me help you. Though he eyed me warily, he was weak. He did not fight. I was his strength as we climbed the steps to the house. Tell me your name, I said. I... He paused. My name is... I put him in front of the fire and brought tea with whiskey. This is my family's house. He was talking to himself, not me. He was trying to remember something. For the first time, I felt like I didn't belong at this place. The house that once had been mine became his. I turned to look for clothes in my room when I heard his voice behind me. You sleep in the captain's room? I had not considered sleeping in any other. It felt like mine. I rummaged through drawers until I found drawstring pants and a long sleeve shirt. Everything perfumed with cedar. He accepted the clothes, the whiskey, the tea. We sat in silence until he took a breath that sounded human. Still, he didn't know his name. He stared at a portrait of the old captain over the fireplace. They looked like echoes of each other. The necklace he wore made a jingling sound. I don't have a way to get you help until the road clears, but in the morning I can walk down the beach to the other house and see if they can get you help, I said. What house? I pointed in the direction where the boy would greet me. There are no other houses on this point. That way is the sea cliff. He closed his eyes and took a shuddered breath. Oh, God. My head hurts. I'm so tired. I asked him not to sleep because he might have a concussion. He agreed to rest, but stay awake. So, I spoke to him. I told him the history of the Dalton family and how the old sea captain built this place. I told him of my long drive to find the house and how I'd busied myself for the first seven days. Nothing seemed to jog his memory. I did not mention the boy or the old man. I don't know why. I offered him the captain's room, but he didn't want it. He found a bedroom down the hall. In the morning, I finally let him rest. Before he closed his eyes, I never asked your name, he said. I didn't want to give my name. It seemed silly, like my name might mean something to him. Augustine. He stared at me for a long time. When he closed his eyes, he whispered, Augustine, my Augustine. I shivered. When he woke, he didn't talk much, but he asked why I was alone. Loneliness seemed unnatural to him. Eventually, I told him that I needed quiet. I told him... I needed time to take care of myself. I admitted the truth that many people avoided Christmas. 
The holidays had always made me sad. He was next to me on the sofa when he reached out to hold my hand. I saw the lights from the tree reflected in his dark eyes. I'm glad you're here, Augustine. I wished I knew his name. He pulled me close, and I rested my head on his shoulder. Over the next several days, he gave me space to take walks and read in front of the fire. I believe he was embarrassed to interrupt my solitude. We circled away from each other. I would feed the fire in the hearth. He would make dinner. The first time it surprised me, but then we got into the easy habit of circling near each other in the kitchen at night. He would cook. I would clean. We both could play the piano enough to get a laugh or smile out of the other. He could not remember his name. But he said mine often. Augustine. I tried to figure out who the man was. We looked through photos. He wasn't in them. But he resembled every face we saw. Still, we fell into a comfortable routine. He cooked with more passion and speed than I could. The fires he built burned brighter. He smelled like cedar and sea and miracles. He loved Christmas and knew this house, yet he'd never seen the ghost of a boy or an old man. Just me. I was the one haunting him. On Christmas Eve, I kissed him. His tongue, hot and sweet, like apple cider. On Christmas morning, he undressed me. My skin was cold until he touched me. The talisman around his neck made a sound that reminded me of a boy's laughter and an old man on the sea. He didn't know where the necklace came from, only that it had always been with him. He kissed me slowly, and we fell asleep. In the morning, the road was cleared of snow. He was gone, but I wasn't alone. He'd left behind the laughter, longing, and love. The necklace was on me as though it had always been there. You gave him peace. How lovely. I do hope so. He certainly brought me peace. And the rest of your life? Hmm. It was remarkable. But now? Now, I would like to rest. Well, that just happens to be the house speciality. <laughs> I thought it may be. Here is a key, Augustine. Up the stairs, seventh door on the left. You'll find what you've come for. A long winter's nap. And you, I sense some tremor beneath the surface. I hope you find rest as well. Well, off to bed with me. Good night. What did she mean, a tremor? I surely do not know. And yet... Yet? And yet, I feel as though you are close to finding out, my dear. 
Let's have another cup of wine. The night isn't getting any younger. Twelve Ghosts, starring Malcolm McDowell as The Innkeeper and Gina Rakiki as Annabelle. Episode 7, The Drowning Man, written by Nikki Salcedo, with additional writing by Nicholas Tukoski. Editing by Chris Childs and Stephen Perez, featuring April Parker-Jones as Augustine. Directed by Nicholas Tukoski. Original score and sound design by Chris Childs. Executive producers Aaron Mankey, Matt Frederick, Alexander Williams, and Nicholas Tukoski. Supervising producer Josh Thane. Producers Chris Childs and Stephen Perez. Casting by Sunday Bowling, CSA, and Meg Mormon, CSA. Production coordinator, Wayna Calderon. Recorded at Lantern Audio in Atlanta, Georgia. Engineered by Chris Gardner. Eros Sound and Recording in Ojai, California. Engineered by Ken Eros. Twelve Ghosts was created by Nicholas Tukoski and is a production of iHeart3D Audio and Grim and Mild from Aaron Mankey. Learn more about the show at GrimAndMild.com and find more podcasts from iHeartRadio by visiting the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Infinity Presents, a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. Live March 20th from The Edge at Hudson Yards in New York City. Featuring a performance by John Batiste. The all-new 2025 Infinity QX80 is an SUV designed to help every passenger feel just right. Be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern, only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. Don't miss it. 2025 QX80 coming this summer.